welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Well, good morning, friends. My name is Jenna, if we haven't met. I'm the executive pastor here at Awaken. This is my assistant today, Genesis. So we're, we're very glad to be a co-team. Um, <laughs> welcome to you this morning. I'm grateful to be together. Um, we wanted to start as we're kind of trickling in. Um, it's no secret that this week was just a hard week in the news um, with the Israeli-Palestinian conflict reaching another boiling point, to say it very gently. And so we wanted to start by acknowledging that this morning and being sensitive to young ears in the room and um, all the complexities uh, that, that that holds. And so this morning, as we name those things, um, I didn't want this call to worship to be a stance, um, like a word of a ton of challenge, as much as a centering on our collective humanity. Um, and so I wanted to say a few things and um, move into some silence and singing together. So uh, for the complexity and the layers of what this conflict represents, I know for many of us, for myself, it's, I mean, I'm going to have a baby in a week. Uh, my capacity to hold the suffering of the world felt very limited and some of that is just true in the room. And yet, uh, it's in front of us. We saw some of the worst of humanity on display this week. Um, we can see it, which is this whole other thing, right? Um, I wanted to name that this is a really old conflict, reaching back to the 1900s about land and occupation and colonialism and power and religion. And so... When it flares again, it is just this compounding uh, force and reaction, and we live in a global world. And so some of us have ties to the Middle East, even in our local neighborhoods. Um, and then finally, I think, for those of us who maybe don't know a ton about this conflict, um, that sort of impulse to start Googling and figure out, like, what do we believe, what do we think, um, which is beautiful, like, let's educate, let's do all those things, and um, there's a lot there. And so, I think it's safe to say that there's probably a really wide range of emotion in the room. Grief, rage, confusion, maybe apathy and numbness. Um, and so, I wanted to say that, maybe what we're holding, and at the same time to say, this one maybe isn't about our feelings, um, that there is actually, yeah, a conflict that is elsewhere. Um, it isn't really about us in some ways. And so I wanted to remind us of our collective humanity and name that we hold both the decades of oppression and violence that Palestinians have experienced and the violence that Israelis have experienced, that not one life holds more value than the other. And so I'd like to invite us in that vein um, to a moment of quiet together. So if you're able, I'd like to invite you to stand. Um, maybe just take a moment 
of pause to posture yourself. God, we um, entrust ourselves and the world um, and all of the complexity it is in this moment in history to you. Ask that your spirit would be moving and ministering and holding with us um, as we center the pain and suffering that's happening in the Middle East. In your name we pray. Okay. We are going to come back together. Um, well, welcome again. If you are visiting or new this morning, we're really glad you're here. Um, if anyone is connected or interested in connecting at Awaken, there is a connection card in front of you um, or a QR code. You can scan that. Uh, if you fill out a connection card, someone from our staff will contact you. We would love to take you out for a beverage of your choice, get to know you a little bit better. Um, those cards, along with any tithes or offerings, can go into the black boxes by each of the doors, or you can give online. Awaken has a Venmo, which is pretty cool. It's really not that special. <laughs> um, as far as what's happening around Awaken, so many things. Fall is always like this tidal wave um, of things to do and re-engage, and we love that energy. Uh, but first, we wanted to start with a thank you. That thank you, in staff meeting this week, we were doing some updates. Um, and there are so many people who, like, stepped up to serve and join a new team that we were just like, I mean, our hospitality team has never had this many people serving on it in, like, 10 years. So... I feel like oftentimes in church you hear about the need and ways that we need you to show up. There will be a later announcement <laughs> that will ask you to show up. <laughs> um, but we just also wanted to say thank you and celebrate that because, yeah, this is all of us together making it happen. So we're really grateful for that. Um, after the gathering today, Pack and Play is happening over at Palace Park, so just a few blocks away. So families... This is just a time where you can bring a lunch and meet other families. It's been pretty fun. Um, next week, we are hosting an event called Sacred Sites. So this is October 22nd from 1 to 4. Um, Jim Bear Jacobs, he's a local faith leader, activist. Um, he's with the Minnesota Council of Churches. Uh, he hosts these periodically, um, I guess when people invite him to do so. Uh, and what he does is he brings people around to different indigenous sacred sites in the Twin Cities and tells the story. Um, we did this last year. This is a very powerful, beautiful event together. Um, I would just, if you're available, I would highly recommend. Jim Barry Jacobs is a very in-demand person, and it's a huge deal that we have access to his wisdom um, and gifting. So I would highly encourage you if you have the space. It's a beautiful experience. Um, connected to that, the week following, we're hosting a learning lab. Uh, Randy Woodley is leading that. He's an indigenous leader in the Pacific Northwest. 
and he's hosting something over four weeks. This is a virtual um, learning experience uh, entitled Shalom, a Foundation for Living. So both of those events you can sign up on the website. Uh, there are just a few spots left for the artist retreat, which is happening in two weekends. So this is, Mel is actually leading this at Art House North. Um, Mel was with us this morning. Gosh, just felt so good. <laughs> um, so she's leading that. I think there are just like two spots left if you're a creative. Uh, the theme is the artist disposition, so it's a lot of mental health and creative conversation and how those things go together. And then finally, in two weekends, we are hosting Trunk or Treat, an event for the neighborhood, and we are looking probably for about 30 more cars. Um, so you decorate a car, you bring some candy, and you hand out candy to kids. It's very fun. Um, the first year we did it, it was four hours. Last year it was three. This year we brought it down to two. So easy afternoon, you guys. Um, you can sign up on the website for that. And with that, I'd love to invite our speaker this morning, Steve Weens. Um, Steve, you kind of do everything. He's a pastor at Wyzetta Community Church, speaker, author, but most important and notably, Micah's real friend. <laughs> It is so good to be here, so good to be back. Uh, I've known Micah and Laura ever since Awaken was about one year old. Meeting at the joke joint, people. Does anyone remember the joke joint? A few of you do. It was awesome. <laughs> and uh, Micah is just, he's on his way back from uh, hiking the Camino. And Micah may never tell you this in this way, but he loves you. And um, a bunch of years ago, when I was with Micah and Laura and a few others, uh, and someone had this picture of what Micah does for people, and it was that he holds the door open for people. And he does so uh, at great personal cost. And I'm emotional, wow, gotta, gotta, gotta get it together, woo! But he does, and um, I am so grateful for him as a friend, and I'm so grateful that he is one of the shepherds of this community. So uh, it'll be good for y'all to have him back. But in the meantime, I'm so glad to be here. So everybody, let's take a deep breath in. Let it out. So there's an ancient Greek proverb that says, if you want society to grow and flourish then it's old men and women will need to plant trees in whose shade they will never sit. If you want society to flourish, then the old men and women and others in that community are going to need to plant seeds that grow into trees under whose shade they will never sit. And the premise behind this proverb is clear. If you want society to flourish if you're nervous about what's happening in society, the division, the chaos, then some of you are going to need to do the good hard work of planting seeds that will grow into trees that you'll never ever see so that those who come after you will have the resources, the nourishment, 
the life that they need. It means from time to time, although it's so important to think about you, you'll need to think beyond yourself. You'll need to think about what might the challenges be that those who come after me face. And you'll need to decide what you are going to do in order to make a deposit of goodness so that those wonderful people that come after you, who you will never meet, will flourish. So as Jenna said, I work at Wyzetta Community Church. It's about three hours that way uh, from here. (laughs) And um, you guys, we're 140 years old as a church, and that is a long time to be a church in a community. Uh, But we are a community church. We really care about our community. And about 10 years ago, we noticed that our building and our programs were not hospitable to our friends with disabilities. And we said that that was not okay. And so we raised some money and we raised some vision and we changed a lot of things in our building so that people with disabilities could worship and enter. And we even created a, we call it a hush-free zone, a shush-free zone. You'll never get shushed. At, the, at a certain worship service that we do. And about 100 people gather in our chapel. Those with disabilities, physical and otherwise, and their families come and worship. And it is one of the most uh, beautiful things that I've ever seen. And it's, it happens now all because a few people decided that it wasn't okay for the status quo to continue, for us not to be hospitable to our friends with disabilities. Now, Awaken has always been a church that celebrates the idea of being a church of centered around a well rather than a church that's made up of fences. And I know Micah preaches about this often. A church that centers itself around a well, that well being Jesus, can disagree about a multitude of things. In fact, can extend freedom and grace and peace to those with whom you disagree because you, you draw from the center. The center is what draws you together, not the fences that would say you have to believe this in order to belong here and you can't believe that in order to belong here. And so I love that Awaken is so rooted in that. I love that Awaken doesn't just say all are welcome here. You say that all people are welcome to embody and live out the unique and unrepeatable miracle that God has created them to be, no matter their gender identity, no matter their sexual orientation. And these seeds of life that you're planting in people that you may not know are bearing fruit that will be developed into large trees under which people can rest for years and years to come. Now, I don't think we think about this that often, but I want you to imagine awaken 75 years from now. 75 years from now. Micah will no longer be here, probably. (laughs) Almost all of you will not be here either. But I'd like you to consider how to cultivate the kind of life together where you invest in a future in which you'll never participate for the good of those who will be here long after you're gone. And not just here, but here in this neighborhood. 
Today's scripture passage is going to talk about seeds and trees and bearing fruit. It's going to talk about how human beings were created to plant goodness for the future. So let's listen in as Jenna reads from Genesis chapter 1. I'd like to invite you to stand if you're able for the reading of the word. Then God said, let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees of every kind on earth that bear fruit with the seed in it. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed of every kind and trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. Then God said, let us make humans in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created humans in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over all the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thanks, Jenna. So, question. Apart from God and human beings, what is the most frequently mentioned living thing in the Bible? What do you think? Say it again. Trees, you got it. The nine o'clock got it wrong the first time, but eventually they got to trees. Took a while, but they, they, they got there. It's trees. The tree of life is at the center of the Garden of Eden in the very beginning of the story. And then a little later on, Moses encounters Yahweh, I will be who I will be, in a burning bush. That's a kind of tree. Uh, Elijah plops down under a broom tree when he's so exhausted and beat up by life that he thinks he's going to die. Jesus himself says that he is the vine and we are the branches. And at the end of Revelation, we see the tree of life once again, this time in a city, not in a garden. So trees are a major theme which are repeated all throughout the scriptures. And there's a reason for that. See, the Bible is a collection of scrolls and poems and letters. It's all kinds of different genres. It's a library of different things and books, and it's written by all different kinds of people for all different kinds of reasons. And one of the main ways that these scriptures are unified, not in terms of agreeing on everything, okay? They're unified in terms of theme, message, and story by repetition of ideas and scenes and images and key words that go throughout the story over and over and over again. And no theme is repeated more than trees. And I have to say I'm indebted to the Bible Project podcast, in particular John Collins and Tim Mackey for helping me flesh out and see this idea. So in the passage that Jenna just read, you heard from day three of creation, and then you heard day six of creation in this creation poem, which is in Genesis chapter one. And uh, you heard about sort of that imaginative moment where 
the first plants and trees sprouted forth from the ground on day three of creation. What that means, what that must mean, is that buried within the ground that God created, there were seeds. Embedded within the ground, invisible to the eye, if you could see it, there were seeds. And when those seeds germinated, we read an interesting detail in Genesis 1 that maybe you missed, but we read that not only do these trees sprout up, they sprout up and eventually they bear fruit, and that fruit contains seed inside of it which means that embedded within creation is the ability to self-perpetuate, to bear even more fruit, to nourish the earth in an ongoing, repetitive cycle. And that's one of the themes that we're going to see over and over again throughout the scriptures, not just in terms of trees, but especially in terms of humans. Day three is about the trees that burst out of the ground containing fruit, which have seeds within them, which eventually they drop those seeds and they become more life. When my son Elijah was four years old, about 10 years ago, he came up to me one day and he was holding an acorn. And he goes, Dad, Dad, what is this? And I go, buddy, that's an acorn. He goes, no, it's a tree. He's always been wicked smart like that, my son. Well, on day three, it's about trees which burst out of the ground bearing fruit with seed in them. But on day six, we read, God blessed them, them being humans, and God said to them, be fruitful and fill the earth. So on day three, we have fruiting trees. On day six, we have fruiting trees. Humans are fruit-bearing humans. A seed has the ability to self-perpetuate, to become a living thing, which has more seeds, which become more living things. And then that can continue on indefinitely, this cycle of life and birth and rebirth. Humans, we learn in Genesis 2, are also created of the ground, mixed with God's breath. And God sees all of this that God made, and God calls it good. The Hebrew word, I am a Hebrew language nerd. And I am just, I, I say that about myself and I'm proud of myself because of that. But I will tell you this, that the Hebrew word for good is tov, T-O-V. And I have a friend that's a Jewish rabbi that noticed something really fascinating. He noticed that the first, the first living thing that's called good by God in the scriptures are these little trees that burst out of the ground, trees with, that bear fruit with seed inside of it. So this is how he interprets this word good or tov. Tov is the actualization of the potential for life embedded in the earth by God when creation brings it forth with the seeds of future life in it. So these seeds of life, picture it, buried within me and within you, lie as potential for life until someone else calls it forth and then it bursts into life. And when it bursts into life, that life creates more life 
through the seeds of life that will drop from your everyday interactions with other people. That means that embedded within all of God's creation are these seeds of potential life, which simply need to be brought forth. And when they are brought forth, they contain seeds of even more life. These seeds of life are embedded within fruit trees, yes, but they're also embedded within each human being who has ever lived. So the way you and I will plant goodness for the future, remembering this Greek proverb, is when we name and call out those seeds of life that exist within each one of us. But here's the reality. In order to do this planting seeds of goodness that will nourish the future, someone and some many people will have to notice what needs to change in society and then they need to do something about it. So when the 15th Amendment was ratified in 1870, it stated that no one should be denied the right to vote on the basis of their race, their color, or their previous condition of servitude. Now that's good progress, right? What's missing from that list? Women, thank you. And I love that it was a man that said that that loudly. At least I assume it was, it might have been. Women, so two women went first. Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton formed the National Women's Suffrage Association. And it took 50 long years, but in 1920, the 19th Amendment was signed into law giving women the right to vote. Now, segregated schools were the norm in the U.S. up until the late 1950s, especially in the South. But on November 14, 1960, at the age of six, Ruby Bridges went first. She changed history by becoming the first African-American child to integrate into an all-white elementary school in the South. And Carly Kammerer, owner of... Wildflyer Coffee not only makes some amazing coffee, but she saw how many youth were homeless. And she said, that is not right. Homeless youth, it's really hard to call out any seeds of life when people lack a roof over your head and a bed to sleep in. So she created Wildflyer Coffee in a way to hire some of these kids and give them skills so that they can get a job later on in life and no longer be trapped in homelessness. And Carly goes to awaken. So that's a big deal. Going first is costly. It takes tremendous courage. But when someone chooses to go first, it paves the way for countless others to follow. Jesus is our guide in this work. When we think about those who plant seeds of life in order to bless the future, we think first of Jesus. Listen to this from Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race that sets before us, that is set before us. And then hear this, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Jesus is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Wherever we're invited to go as a community centered around the well that is Jesus, Jesus goes first. 
So let's unpack that idea. The word that's translated as pioneer is the Greek word archegos. Now, archegos can also be translated as author or captain, but an archegos is someone who leads the way so that others can follow. Picture this. Picture a ship foundering on the rocks, and the waves are pounding against it, and that ship is going to break apart and sink, and everyone on that ship will die unless a brave man or woman sailor decides to do something about it, decides to go first. And so if some person gets a length of rope and dives in the water and swims to shore and ties that rope around a fixed object so it's safe and secure, then the rest of the people in that ship can follow that rope safely to the shore. That's what an archegos does. It's someone who sets a pattern, someone who initiates and guides. It's an originator, someone who starts or begins a new way of doing it. Jesus is the archegos, not of a new religion, (laughs) but of a new way, a new kind of humanity. He was born into a corrupt religious system where most of the spiritual leaders were more interested in maintaining control over people than they were holding the door open for people so that they can get access to God. Jesus grew up in a time where the poor had no hope of escaping poverty because of the devastating taxes that they paid as they scraped out a living, sharecropping from wealthy landowners, where women had no rights and were seen as the property of men, where the only way to be forgiven of sins was to follow a long list of laws. So this is what Jesus said as a way of saying what he is all about, what this new humanity that he came to create would look like. And I'm reading this translation from the First Nations version, which is a gorgeous translation of the New Testament, if you've ever seen it. This is from Luke 4. Jesus says this, The spirit of creator has come to rest on me. He's chosen me to tell the good story to the ones who are poor. He has sent me to mend broken hearts, to tell prisoners that they've been set free, to make the blind see again, and to lift up the ones who have been pushed down, to make it known that the Creator's year of setting free has come at last. The poor, the blind, the captives, those who had been pushed down in the time of Jesus didn't hear much good news. So whenever he spoke, whenever he ate with them, whenever he healed them, they surrounded him because no one was doing anything like that before. It really was a new kind of humanity that was bursting up out of the ground of the old way. They were hearing the good story, the gospel for the first time, which wasn't just a set of beliefs that you had to ascribe to. It was a way of life that was now possible, which wasn't possible before. That's the gospel, that we can step into a new way of living where today doesn't have to be just a repeat of yesterday, where the order of the world doesn't have to keep grinding everybody down. The way of Jesus, the gospel says that there can be new beginnings all the time and everywhere because there are seeds of life planted within every single one of us. And Jesus went first to proclaim this new humanity. So the many parables of Jesus, (laughs) the parables are incredible, aren't they? I mean, 
we don't really understand most of them, and especially the people in the time of this thing, they sort of, they were head scratchers. But one of my favorite parables is the one where the farmer has this huge harvest. And so he gets in his pickup truck, drives to the center of town at six in the morning, and there's a collection of workers there, and they're all ready to work for the day. And so he hires them for the day. He says, hey, will you hop in my pickup truck, go back to my farm, and will you work for the next six hours? And if you will, I'll give you this amount of money. They say yes, and they go. So he takes them back, drops them off, sets them to work. Three hours later, he's realizing there's no way they're going to get all the work done. So goes back in his pickup truck, uh, fills up another truckload of workers, says to them, hey, it's 9 in the morning. If you'll work for the next nine hours from 9 to 6, I'll pay you this wage. Just come. I, I really need the help. He brings them back, drops them off, sets them to work. At noon, he realizes there's no way we're going to get all this harvest in. So he goes back to the town square. There's still workers there. It's noon. He says, look, we only have six hours left in the day, but if you will go back to my farm, I'll pay you this wage. They agree. He takes them back. He drops them off. Three o'clock in the afternoon, he realizes there's no way we're going to get this work done. I got to go back and get more. So he goes back, fills up the truck again, agrees with them to work three more hours for this wage, drops them off. And at five o'clock, just an hour before the closing bell for the day, he realizes we're not going to get this done. I got to go get more workers. So he goes back, fills up a truck, brings them back, puts them to work, and they probably get like 10 minutes of work done, let's, let's, let's be honest, after they fill out their time cards and, you know, get their tools and all that stuff. So they do the work. The ending bell rings. And then the farmer, like with a twinkle in his eye, it's payday, right? It's time to pay. And so he pays everybody what they agreed to work, starting with the person, the people who just got their first thing, goes all the way to the people who had been working 12 hours and then in this parable, Jesus, with a twinkle in his eye, gives the punchline, and he says, and everybody got paid the same. And if you're the kind of person who always puts in a 12-hour day, you are what? Yes, you are angry because it's not fair. And you know what? In this new humanity that Jesus is proclaiming and living out, where the old system doesn't get to grind you down anymore, there's a new system at play, Jesus is saying, I get to do things the way I want to do it. And if I want to keep inviting people to work in my field and pay them the same amount that I pay the people who got there first, then it's my business because it's my farm and it's my community and I want everybody involved. And that was the kind of new humanity. And it invited people, the 12-hour workers, Number one, to say, what do I really care about? Do I care about my, what I get? Or do I want to live in a society that, that, that thrives, where everybody's involved? And it also allows each one of us to admit that in some ways, you guys, we're all five o'clockers, aren't we? <laughs> we're all scraping by. And to those of us that are desperate, that are just scraping by, Jesus says, welcome to you. You have a full place at the table. So awaken community, thinking about your life together 75 years from now. I wonder, who are the poor? Who are the blind? Who are the captives today? Who are the brokenhearted today? Who are the, who are the people that have been pushed down in this community and what kinds of seeds might awaken plants so that in the years to come, 
people you'll never meet can rest in the safety of God's embrace. I'm going to close my sermon by leading you in a brief contemplative practice. I'd like to read three brief passages of scripture. And I'll give a little time and space after each one of them. And this time, I would love for you, to invite you to open yourself up to God's spirit who may speak to you in terms of the kind of seeds of life that you may need to be planting these days. So I invite you to get comfortable, maybe put your feet flat on the floor. If you want to close your eyes, you can. And then I'll read three passages, providing a little space after each one. Here's the first one. And God who gives seed to the farmer to plant, and later on good crops to harvest and eat, will give you more and more seed to plant and will make it grow so that you can give away more and more fruit from your harvest. Second one. And Jesus said, I am the vine. And you're the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, our relationship intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. But separated from me, you can't produce anything. third one. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you may abound in every good work. Oh God, give us the courage to be the kind of people that do tend to our own needs, but that also look beyond ourselves to see the seeds of life that we might plant so that others that we'll never meet will be able to rest under the wide branches of your love and grace and mercy. May it be so. Amen. Well, friends, receive these words as you go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up their countenance to you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com.
www.facebook.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awakening Community or on Twitter at Awakening Community. See you next time.